Welcome to 321 Profits, the podcast that brings you expert advice and behind the scenes information to help launch your business success. This program is a media production of GLD Enterprises Communications Limited. Now, here's your host, Jerry Deer. Three, two, one. Previously on 321 Profits, the podcast. He took a load of hay to Miamisburg. And the guy says, you know, if I could find some sawdust, I'd really rather use it than straw. Because he was betting what? Horses? He was betting horses. Okay. And he said, Dad says, I'll see what I can do. Hi, this is Jerry Deer. Welcome to 321 Profits, the podcast, and part two of our interview with Gary Deer Jr. of Gary Deer and Sons in Jamestown, Ohio. So he leaves there. He's got the sawdust business going. Is he still doing concrete at this point? Yeah, and he's still doing concrete. And when he, before he left NCR, he was offered the job teaching heavy equipment at the vocational school. So Green, Green County Vocational School was called a joint vocational school because it pulled students from all over to the go to the school districts. different school districts to go to the one. It, you didn't have to be in a Green County school district. You had to be, in, I think, I don't remember how it worked exactly, but it pulled people... But he was hired in as the senior ag mechanics instructor. So his job was to teach kids how to work on heavy equipment. Right. Basically what he was doing with us growing up. Yes. So so the thought about this was um, mom was very happy about this because it had good benefits. And I had come along with a few problems. And there was a lot of worry about medical bills and things like that, plus... Uh, didn't know what was happening. Now, as I understand it, he was approached by the school to come and teach. Well, he was taking a night welding class. And, and Wally Gossett, Wallace Gossett. And uh, I can't remember. Who was the superintendent at the time, right? Yeah. Uh, they were having trouble getting a tractor to start that was sitting in there. And then what they did is they brought tractors in, the kids rebuild them and whatever. And that was their project. Yeah. They, and they got learned. it done for the cost of the parts just and to have it. So they couldn't get this one tractor to, to start. And dad was on the break that they would have for him. He happened to be standing there. And the dad says, hey, here's what you do. And uh, that one had a magneto on it instead of a regular distributor like you think of now. It's more like a, a lawnmower engine. And he pulled the number one plug out. He put it down there, and he turned the magneto until the number one plug fired, put it back together, tightened it down, fired the tractor up. It was out of time. It was out of time. Interesting. And so they said, uh, you do this all the time? And Dad says, yeah. And how about a job? Yeah. <laughs> and literally, that's And Mom how said, you say Yes. <laughs> So uh, NCR let him go to second shift, and he taught days at the vocational school. And then worked at the... And took his classes that he had to have to get his teaching certificate, which mom... Mom took his classes, yeah. (laughs) I've heard that, too. And he he got really good grades. He was very good at it. Yeah, he was. (laughs) So um, he started teaching over there, but we were still doing... So all, all okay, stuff. so all of this is going on at the same time. And he bought a dozer. Now we got a bulldozer. We got a dozer. A John Deere 350, as I recall. Loader dozer. And it is a beast, that one. We just sold it a few years ago, and the guy put it back together who bought it, which was fun to watch. Because it, it had been dismantled for like 20 years. 
And it was just, so, so now we've got all this heavy equipment. We're doing a little excavating because you got all this other stuff going on. You got the truck. And, and he bought another truck. In 74, we got another truck. Well, no, and in between the 70, the 57. Oh, that's right. We got the, well, the International. The 63 International. The 63 International is the one with the. the and he took the bed took off. Took the bed off and put, put it on there. Which is why I know it, because that's the truck I first drove. When you guys were teaching me to drive, that was the one, which was, what were you thinking? <laughs> I could it's barely. Exciting. I couldn't even reach the pedals. And that was just to load hay on the back of it. We were out in the hay field, and you had me sitting up there just steering and pushing the brake pedal. I was like, eight? Yeah, well, <laughs> just, I had to start at seven. It has a hand brake. It has, and there's an identical one to it behind me in the other building. <laughs> just like that's a, we're gonna have pictures of all of it on the on the website. So, so now we're up to this. Uh, we're into the seventies. He's got a second, and by seventy four, he bought another truck. So now there's two lift bed grain trucks. Only one of them's factory lift. One of them was factory it's, everything. Yeah, it was yeah, a beautiful truck. Power steering. Until the tornado hit in Xenia. And, and it, it looked like a golf course. The hailstorm tore the new cab up, but they they fixed it. But it, it, he was sick. He never had a new vehicle. Never no, had a yeah. new anything. And this is a brand new truck right off the, of the lot with all the bells and whistles and, and had power all, steering and radio and all that sort of stuff. And after all the trouble he had with it, he said he'd never buy another Never new buy one. another new one. And he never did. He didn't. He never did. Nope. It could have any time, I guess, but he never did. So so you have, well, to be fair, now these trucks would run, you know, an average lifespan of a truck like that's a couple hundred thousand miles. But you guys would get, you guys would get 300, 400,000. We, we went by the number of engines you put in it. <laughs> so... All right, so you, you've built all this stuff up. Now you are running, you're running Sawdust too because you've got the two trucks now. Yeah. And he's downgraded you to the International, and he's got the new truck. Yes. <laughs> and then we painted them all blue. That was a little <laughs> bit late. In in. They were, so I I have to say because they were all red, and the one you're going to see in the pictures, I don't have any pictures of the blue one. I, I do somewhere. There's one, but I tried everywhere to find it. I know I have one. Because it's sitting there with the, the Chevy. You had the you had a blue 77 or 76 Chevy, yeah. and you painted it. They were matching. We had all red before, and then we painted them all blue with dark beds and light-colored cabs and red, white, and blue truck. So this is branding now. This is bringing us to the other part of this thing. Yeah, and in 71, uh, I was doing some other jobs. Uh, I was in college, and I went to work for an outfit called Grant Holiday, and was taking care of apartment buildings mm -hmm. and then doing the sawdust thing of an evening. And I went to pick up some supplies and the guy says, well, we don't like to deal with just an individual. I said, okay. So here, I went Here home. is where business perception comes in. It is, it is. We were just talking about this before we got so on So I went home and I told dad, I said, we are going to be Gary Deer and Sons from now on. Which he had already done, more or less, but just not officially. Yeah, well, you come up and you had put an S on the end of it, but that's... <laughs> anyway, I had business cards made up. It looks much that. more impressive with the S, by the way. And I walked into, <laughs> uh, in this case, it was Granger's. And the guy... GW Granger's a supply company. And I said, uh, I'd like to get some stuff. Are you a business? Yeah, here's my business card. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a business card. Put all card. the stuff in. There you go. And, and that's all you needed back then. Yeah, it You was. didn't have to have they, all the stuff. You no got credit now. checks, nothing, you know. So Well, we didn't. We bought stuff outright. We didn't have a lot of credit. Yeah. I mean, we so didn't. So anyway, um, Dad had one of the mm. kids from 
the vocational school that was taking industrial arts come over and letter the trucks. Hand lettered, by the way. This is paint and uh, gothic Old English. Old English. Which nobody could read. And, well, it was just the idea. It looked cool. It did. Uh, you were a business at that point. And, and back uh, then, all of them were hand-painted. Yeah. You know, there was no... They, did, no they stenciled them sometimes, but yeah. they were still painted. But anyway, uh, when we went to the blue trucks, there was a, one of our competitors um, painted his truck to look exactly like ours. And we had red, white, and blue tarps. And he got a red, white, and blue tarp only in reversed of what ours is. Right. We had the red in the front and the blue in the back, back, white in the middle. He done it in reverse and put some kind of gold lettering on the door. And he was going to places we delivered to and said, oh, well, I've bought the business. So here's a good business practice. This is a good point because that's the point of this show is to talk about how these things happen. So we've seen this progression. Now we're at the point where... You're having to defend your place in yeah, in your in your industry, and who would have thought that sawdust? It's vicious. It, it really is. You know, it sounds silly, but when you think of the number of stables and dairies and all that that there are, and they all well, not all of them, but a lot of them use sawdust, and a lot of them now ours was a mixture of dust and shavings, where there were a lot of these other guys hauling what was called kiln-dried sawdust, which is basically dried so much that it just floats on top of it. Looks like flour. There's not, yeah, it's powdery, and it, it's got little, like, fleck chips in it, and it, it doesn't absorb anything. But it looks pretty, and that's what they were going for. So we would end up having to, and it would make horses sick if it was too dry. They would inhale it, and they would, you know, so... they get pneumonia. So we had all these things we had to learn about. We had to get, I remember sending away for some information from Ohio State for us, to, to try to convince people, all right, look, you don't want this for horses. This is bad. So you have this business model that that you and dad have put together, and, and you got mom right on board because mom's the marketing genius behind all this. She is. She came up with, uh, she came up with the look, and, and now we went to the jackets and the, and the, you know, the flight jackets, and, and we had the hats and everything that matched and all that stuff. And for a little while, the three of us walking down, we looked like we were part of an army or something. We had the same everything. And anybody, uh, our brother-in-law, Bob, he had one. Everybody, everybody had one. And if you were a part of this thing, this is this is part of what you were doing. So you've got the branding issue going on. you got a guy stepping on your territory. So you, you change the look of it a little bit. But eventually he went back to the red. Yeah, because he went belly up. Uh, he went belly up, and also red trucks were really easy to find because they every are. all the internationals and Chevys were red, the Fords were all red, and the beds are red. I don't know why it was always red, but they were they were all red. International was red to begin with. He wanted the cab to match red, the back. Red so was the cheaper paint. It was the cheaper paint, and it was the color of all these trucks. So we went back to the red. But uh, now the reason I'm ma- making that point is because even in a business this small where it's just the two of you, and, and me sometimes after I got older, we didn't have to, we didn't, people think you don't have the same kinds of problems that a bigger company has, but you do. You have the same kinds of issues. You're, you're having to look out for the competition, make sure somebody doesn't come in. Our biggest thing was dad was always worried about somebody dropping a load of that really bad sawdust somewhere, and then and him. we get blamed for it. And we get blamed for a horse getting sick, which we made sure of. I got to the point where when I was riding with you guys, I'd take Ziploc bags with me. And if we ran into one of those, I'd put some of that sawdust and I'd date it with a marker and put it behind the seat. 
So if something happened, I'll be like, uh-uh, no, this is what we pulled out of there, and we would be able to cover ourselves. We got very lucky that it never happened. But you, when you think about how the business goes from, from point A to point B with this, you're, you're on a roll of building this thing, and you are setting up, you yourself are setting up your own part of this because you're starting to get your own customers. You, you have a few yeah. of his hand-me-downs, but, but you're getting your own, and he's got his own, and it, it flourished like that for years. And it was, you, you guys did your own things, and you, you, we changed mills a couple of times. I won't get into all that, but there, there's different places that you have to go to, to get the sawdust. And eventually, you started having to pay for it. Because yeah. they started realizing, well, this is a commodity. We should get something for it. It's not a lot, but and you still have plenty of margin there to work with. But it was still now you're having to pay for the sawdust. At what point did we're gonna? We have to go to a break. We're running over today, but this is for this episode. That's fine. We're gonna go a little little long. So if you if you don't want to listen to all of it right now, pause it and come back later. But um, we're gonna get into after this break. We're gonna get into a little bit of tying this up and and talking about where where the family business goes from here because ours is very unusual it's not structured like some of the big ones or anything like that so we'll talk about that in just a minute so we're going to take this break and we will be back in just a minute hi my name's gary deer jr i have gary deer and sons heating and air I do repair work on your heating and air conditioning units. If you want reasonably priced work well done, I'm the guy to call. 937-453-2055. Or you can find me online at GaryDeerHeatingAndAir.com. Okay, we're back uh, here on 321Profits. Um, again, this is Jerry Deere. I'm here with my brother, Gary Jr. And we are talking about uh, our family business that my dad started um, back in the 50s, and it's kind of evolved over the years. But we've, we've gotten to this point where now, so you've heard where we are up to this point. Dad had the business. My brother, he and my brother kind of uh, both ran it their own way. They, they were delivering sawdust and doing some other stuff. But you did something different because you went into heating and air conditioning, and back in the back in the when seventies. Back in the seventies. So you started learning. Now you got your degree in architectural engineering technology, right. but you you actually went into the HVAC side. Was it because you were? Did that start because of maintenance? Doing the maintenance for the well, yeah from the maintenance and then at apartment complexes. Yes, um, seven hundred fifty apartments. Uh, in the old Maple View complex, and we took care of everything. Right. And uh, But when I was in college in 72, they told us that Ohio, by the year 2000, would be under one-foot ice because a new ice age was coming. Oops. Now, I'm well, really glad they've got that wrong. Everybody, <laughs> you figure, everybody's got to have heat. That might be a good sideline to, Why not? to get into. Well, even if it had no, if, if we did have an ice age, the next day it would be gone because it's Ohio. Yeah. And then we'd have like 90 so, degree but, weather. You know, you, you take what they're, they're telling you <laughs> Let's as Let's use that. True. So, but either way, you're always going to need heating and air stuff. And uh, the companies that built the furnaces and air conditioning units... Uh, we're always coming into the complex with a problem for this and that, and they were showing me how to repair and why it had to be done. Um, and it kept the companies, the, the kept the the management companies' prices down, the cost down because did, you could do it 
you're already being paid to be there. Yeah, I, I left there one time for 30 days and come back, and they had 125 washers and dryers that all had to be repaired sitting in a semi-trailer beside the building. Those so, are not fun. <laughs> uh, well, it just depends on how you look at it. Uh, mechanical things I understand really well. And so... Yeah, I think we got that genetically. And it, it's... Well, if you think about it, all the deers have been engineered. They were, yes. The only one that did not have an engineering degree was dead. Hmm. Uh, Grandpa Deer had an engineering degree. Most of the deers were... They worked in the iron furnaces and And, and they were that. boiler operators, all engineered, you know... Steam had, fitters and all that sort of stuff. So it... That's come, why I had no problem fixing my furnace. No, it's just natural. Comes with the family. Comes with the family. <laughs> so you went into you went into heating and air, and you started doing all the all the different types of stuff. So if you fast forward now, you were doing that parallel to all the other things. Yeah. So you took that upon yourself the way Dad did to always have more than one thing going. Because for a while you were teaching adult classes at the vocational school where he taught. Yes. You also did the heating and air stuff. You got certified on a whole bunch of different things with that, and then. Um, and then also still do some just general maintenance for people. Well, that, that kind of comes tractors, all that sort all, of stuff. All the equipment stuff, and, and um, we were all the time. Dad's farm out there, you got to take care of the equipment, the balers, all that sort of stuff. And that's combine. important to mention too, because of I, I talked about a little while ago. You mentioned the the backhoe and the bulldozer and all that sort of stuff. We had to take care of all that ourselves. We the, did. We couldn't afford. You, most people don't have that stuff because they can't afford to look after it. It's it's not about not being able to run it. Anybody can learn how to run it, but it's to to maintain it, especially the diesels. That that back that bulldozer was forever a pain in the butt, if I remember it correctly. But you had these different kinds of pieces of equipment, and you had to understand the general to go to the specific, and understanding how the engines worked and all that sort of stuff was just part of our nature, you know, as as how that was. So you've got the heating and air stuff, and it's running parallel, and and I should say we have a we have a big heating and air company here that is semi related somewhere down the road with the same name. <laughs> that gives me headache all the time. Yes, and we're gonna leave that one alone. But they we're confused with them on occasion. Um, but you've been doing this a lot longer. You you started doing this a lot longer. About fifty years now. So the combine the combined pieces of those the, the the family business itself evolved into your parts of it and dad's parts of it, then the stuff that was yours and, and the stuff that was yours and dad's. And then there was the stuff, there was accessory stuff that dad did because everything we did, even though it was, we had the farm stuff, it all went under Gary Deer and Sons. It did. So the cows, the, you know, we had, cows, we had cattle, horses. we had horses, we had all the other stuff that we did, the, the, the uh, crops, anything along those lines, selling hay, baling hay for people, whatever that was. So this thing got way out of control for a little while, and it because it worked, it was a it was a method that we understood. Now, from my side of it, I took that a few steps further. I just added on everything else and figured out the same ways that you guys did to never depend on just one thing. So even sitting here, I've got four. I'm looking at my notebook on my desk. I've got four different kinds of business models juggling at the same time. I don't have to be laying under a truck fixing a starter and in four degree weather with it snowing on me but it doesn't mean that i can't 
So it's still there. It's or a, torching out a bearing. We've done that a number of times. Or trying to change a, a clutch that dad burned up twice <laughs> within the course of about three weeks. Because I told my big brother we should really change that throw-up bearing. It'll be fine. We don't need to change that. It's a brand new one laying there. But no, you wow. didn't want to change the throw-out bearing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It was broke, and we should have fixed it. <laughs> so then we had to tear it all apart again. <laughs> and that's no small thing to pull that engine apart. I mean, because you're taking the transmission off of it. Well, and no, I'm on electric hoist to pick that up. About that. <laughs> so the other part of this is having to come up with your own way of doing things. We got very creative over over the years. We still, you know, I, I use it to this day, all that stuff. And, and, and we have to do it all the time just to do basic things. Like when you came home with a tour bus for our family band and, and that was pink. Thanks for that. It got yeah, painted well, very rapidly. But we had to take care of that too. I mean, it's, it's all part of this thing, but the, where I'm going with this is that we have an unusual business model because it is, it, to me, it was, rapid response rather than proactive well it's it's when you get to where i am now old uh very um people associate what you do with who you are with who you are and you don't so with they the, don't get that no with the horse people i am sawdust guy uh some of the older yeah, horse customers be careful how you say that that <laughs> uh, was sawdust man. Yes, you don't get. And uh, they still, uh, if they've got problems with the equipment, will pull it up in front of where I got to dump the sawdust, so I have to fix it before <laughs> they can. I can unload the load. This load's going to be a little more expensive yeah, well, today. And they and they have no problem. They with just that. want it done. They just want it so that it runs. And, and it's in your best interest to do it right because you're dealing with all of that. Yeah, and then with the, the heating and air part, um, you know, they they assume that you're just heating and air. I just and, put this p- new pump on and it's making all kinds of noise. Yeah. Is I, there any water in it? <laughs> <laughs> no. So, um, you know... People, but, the, but the problem is because of that association. Some, yeah. They can't accept it. They see you doing something else that throws a big wrench in the middle Now, does that, it, to, in my perception of the world, we were talking about this before we started recording, that I have, and we both do this, I have costumes, more or less, for where I'm standing at that time. So if I'm going with you to do something, I'm wearing the costume you've got on right now. I've got I've got my Gary Deer and Sons jacket on. I've got my, I had to go get those parts yesterday. And I, I futz with it a minute. Should I walk in with that stuff? Because I'm going to have to show an ID to tell them who I am so I can get my contractor's price on the parts I was buying. But most people, once they hear who I am, they figure it out. Because there's two of us, and, and they know Dad's past. And it's just... But they don't take you seriously in the world sometimes if you do more than one thing. That's been they my, don't. They my experience. You're... They think you're flighty. And unfocused, and well, like you don't have any expertise. It's all like master of none kind it's, of thing. It's like the better half I have now. When she worked at the motel, he's talking about his wife. My my wife, better half. Uh, well, she's got to be better than me. It's I mean. not a f- anyway big high bar to climb. Um, <laughs> my uncle Tuff worked at that motel also. Yes, and he's always telling Diane about all these crazy things that Junior does. 
She only So here knew, comes the name problem. She only knew me as Gary. She did not know I was Junior. Until I was in the lobby working on an AC once. She's sitting there talking to me. Uncle Tuff walks in. He goes, JR, how's things going? And now the pieces all fit together. And then you get this very <laughs> odd look out of her, you know, like, JR, no, this is Gary. Yes, that's right. And Tuff says, no. And he was is, Gary also. This, this is JR. <laughs> and. It, to, to make it clear, my mom's brother's name was Gary. His son was Gary Jr. Dad is Gary. My brother is Gary Jr. And everybody had a nickname but Dad. Everybody. You were because you were first. You were junior. Yes. If Butch had been well, my cousin Gary, <laughs> we called him Butch. But if he had been first, he was probably junior. Well, he was junior, and, but it, and then we would have had Butch. to call you something else. And I'm already having trouble with your actual name. <laughs> this is this is weird. The reason that's funny is because since Dad passed away, the it's now it's the shift has happened, and people are calling me Gary, starting to call you Gary more. More well, not Gary Moore. He was on TV, but more more often. So so if they don't take you seriously because they see you in one one respect, I have gotten to the point where there are some people I will let them see all my pieces, and some people I will not. I'll let them see the 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 writing and the the the, the farm thing and the whatever whatever the pieces of it are that I have, I will let them see that. There are other people I will not. I put walls up between them and my my doors don't open. I don't want them in that part of my world because they won't be able to accept it. Do you do you know who's going to be okay with it and who isn't, or you just don't care? I don't care. I generally don't either, but I know that there's some parts of my work that I'm not going to get my foot in the door if they think I do two things. I, I learned in high school very quickly on, because, I like I said, I drove a pickup truck. Right. No, nobody drove pickup trucks back. No, you saddled me with a 30-foot Cadillac. And... <laughs> Well, I would have had no pride. I took my driver's test in a 59 Cadillac. So what are you talking about? Anyway. Uh, Mine was a 72. The, but they were uh, both blue. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing of it was, his was I would be talking to some of the guys at lunch, and we'd be talking about the stuff we'd done over the weekend. And nobody believed you. No. Uh, matter of fact, the band director, I, I had quit band once because we had had another director that said you had to buy a full drum set to be in band. That doesn't make any sense, but and, whatever. Well, back then, a drum set cost more than a new car. Right. So, Gee, there's one right outside this door. <laughs> and so I dropped band. Well, the new band director, he's trying to find me because a lot of people quit, quit music. And he came out, and I am running an air hammer, busting it up con- concrete. And... I couldn't pick the hammer up. I just had to drag it from one point to the other. But, um, you know, he come out and he says, I, I, I thought you drove a truck. I do. It's right over there. That's what time is it? <laughs> what day are we talking what about? What day is it? Which uniform am I wearing? Son, <laughs> um, he'd always seen me as being a contract kind of person. Yeah. And uh, the driver's ed teacher knew I held sawdust. So when the two of them would get talking, you had this thing, no, no, he forced concrete. I seen him. No, no, I followed him once. He's hauling sawdust. So so I, I, get, the, I get the one where uh, they, they said, um, this was recent. Someone said something about, uh, oh, it was, uh, it was the, uh, 
the bricklaying guys here in Jamestown. I had I had sent them over to Yellow Springs to to deal with somebody over there, and they were that person was talking to them about um, the person that referred them, which was me. And they didn't they were trying to figure out the name, and the and the contractor was trying to remember who it was. And then she said my name some other way, and he says, "Oh, the 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 whip guy." And then it, because that's all he'd ever seen. Yeah. And which is weird because I haven't done a, a whip thing in in our hometown in years, other than our own shows. So it's just really strange that the way that works. But in some professional circles, if you do different things, um, they you're pick not up one thing. You're not seen as a real business. It's not. It's not solid. It's not. Uh, professional enough. So when I, to, to give an example of this, um, one of the real important things to think about when we're talking about how it's perceived so differently, all different, you know, all these different things, but the sawdust business itself is so unusual. It's really just a, a trucking job. You know, you're hauling it stuff. Is. It doesn't matter what you're hauling. You're still doing the same job. I mean, we... We're doing sawdust instead of gravel. Yes. We had... Well, we've had gravel trucks, and we've hauled gravel before. I've got gravel trucks. Got a gravel truck. There's two of them sitting out there, you know? So, and we've got... Uh, what We did house patterns for a while with the semi. Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff. We had all these things going on. Cows. We've hauled cows for people. I mean, it doesn't matter what's in the truck bed. We're out of time in this segment. We will be back in just a minute. Hi, this is Jerry Deer speaking for Gary Deer and Sons in Jamestown, Ohio. For more than 50 years, my brother and my father's company have provided quality livestock bedding for dairies and stables all around southwestern Ohio. If you're looking for sawdust bedding for your livestock, please give us a call at 937-453-2055 and ask for Gary Deer Jr. or visit us online at GaryDeerAndSons.com. Okay, we're back uh, here at 321 Profits. So this is my side of this that's very strange. When I was in high school, I took, uh, my school had a business class for half of a semester. You had, this was weird, you had typing class for half a semester and then this business class for this other half. And you were supposed to write a report and the report was supposed to be pick a career and write about the career. Well, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. I mean, everybody was pushing me to go to med school and, and all that stuff, but I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do yet. But I knew I was going to college. But instead, I decided to write about you guys. I wrote about the sawdust business because I figured I'm already helping out with that. I'm going to probably do that some. I, I sort of seemed obvious. Well, this is one thing to write about. I just wanted one something to write about. You know those projects are. Just want it over with. <laughs> so I wrote the thing I knew the best. So I wrote this whole detailed thing about how it worked and, you know, we get the sawdust from, from a mill and then we sell it to dairies and stables and we do all this sort of stuff. And I get it back and I got a D on it. And I take it to the teacher and I'm like, what, what is this all about? And it said at the top, not a viable business, that it wasn't, wasn't a real business. And that ended up dad and mom coming in to talk to the vice principal, who you knew, the the one that had trouble with Jessica and the mm-hmm. yeah so because this tea I I took it home and mom was livid she was just like why is this and I was mad and I was upset because I did a good job on this I didn't understand it wasn't the writing the writing was great he couldn't critique my writing and it was all about he didn't like the thing this guy was 
a strange one. And he had never worked in business. He was straight out of school, became a a high school teacher, probably to get his weekends and his summers off. But he didn't know anything about business, and he certainly didn't know about rural businesses. And it took Dad bringing the truck in there, and it's parked out front, and it's got a load on it. (laughs) It's... And it's and the vice principal knew us and knew what we did and and he brought the teacher in there and we're sitting in there and he's like what is this about he he this is what he does he's also a teacher at the county vocational school and he could build that truck and it's like the teacher had to give me he wouldn't give me an A I ended up with a B on it he refused to give me an A but it that's just another example of that the perception that it wasn't a real business because somebody didn't understand it but there's Think and there's of, a lot of that. There's a lot of that. And now, we're probably the the most easy to understand thing in the world. I mean, there's people sitting out there making, I'm, I'm part of this, who can make a living doing what I'm doing right now, recording a podcast and selling advertising on it. But you, I don't expect to make a living off this. It's part of our promotion for our business. But it's that's one of those things, if you had walked up to somebody 20 years ago and said something like that, they would have chased you out of the room. And lock the door. <laughs> so, do you see a change over the years in people's perception about stuff like that? Because they talk about the gig economy, and that's essentially what what you do, where you have different things that you're doing kind of simultaneously. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the big thing is your college graduates. Mm-hmm. They are the hardest ones to convince what you do. Well, because they've been programmed to serve. They have. They have. I didn't have that because I was immersed in something so different that... <laughs> well, we sent you a, a, a bag of salt down to the college. I was homesick. And <laughs> so anyway... And I uh, almost got in trouble because they thought something was inside that sauce. <laughs> the uh, farming community, they understand what you do. Yeah. You get into inner city, they but, haven't got But flip that... And a farming community <coughs> sees me 10 years ago, farming or older, farming community sees me, I always had computers. You guys made sure I had a computer in front of me. Those people didn't understand any of that. You can't. I don't know. You, you can't. Yes, you do. You can't make money with that. How do you, you know, but they didn't understand that so much of what they do every day is actually run by computer, especially the stock market, the commodities markets. All that stuff was, even back then, was run on computers, but they didn't know it. Or didn't understand it and didn't care. I just want to sell their grain, right? It doesn't matter how it's done. Just give me my money because that's how it works. So if you flip it, it it really depends on where you're standing as to how inexperienced you really are about what thing constitutes a job. But at the same time, there's a difference between... People say there's a difference between a job and a career. I'm not sure that's true anymore because the days of the gold watch are gone. Nobody's going to have the same job for 30 years anymore like they used to. That's never going to happen again. And if they are, it's an, it's an unusual thing, and it's probably retail. They can't get out of it because there's nowhere to go. You know, you, you, if, you work at, if you work at a big box store and you go up and up and up, the best you can hope for is manager of that, that store. That's it. Or you're going to get shipped somewhere else to be a manager of another store. And we, we have a whole economies now of um, go, go down to where mom and dad came from. Portsmouth, Ohio, has no industry. It's all gone. There used to be steel, 
and coal and bricks, bricks and uh, and iron that came up from Ironton and, and that whole area down there. The ore was processed there. All sorts of things going on in there. Now, it's a retail, an incestuous retail economy because you work at Walmart and you spend your money at Walmart. You work at Kmart, or well, whatever's, I don't think it's Kmart anymore, whatever's there. They're working in retail and buying their stuff in retail, and the money's just circulating right there. Very little of it goes outside. So for somebody like that, how many people did we know that created uh, Hall and Firewood? We had people hauling firewood from down there, bringing it up here, because that yep. was the job. There was no work down there. You made your own work. So if it's like that now, have you seen that change? Do people accept you're doing 50 things more readily? Are you seen as more stable because you have an ability to do a lot more? Or do you still see people take it like you're not focused? Does a, it, has it gotten of, better? A lot of things here of late, is I am referred to by other people. Right. Uh, well, it's all, all of our stuff has always been word of mouth. Yeah. And it's always been word so of mouth. So I have a, um, a plumber that is referring anything in that direction to me and as far and, as... And a lot of that has to do with the boilers. With boilers. Yeah, the hot water boilers because people uh, don't work on I them. have concrete contractors who are referring to me because... A guy wants to put a patio in the back of his house, and there sits the condensing unit. They need it moved. And you know why they need it moved and how it needs to be and placed. what be- has to be done to take it out and put because it Because you know the concrete side, too. And, and they're uh, going to have to build you a place to put it. On, well, then a lot of times just setting it back on the concrete patio. But you have to get all that stuff out of the way. Then they pour it and put it back. But, then, but understanding all that is what makes them refer to you. Yeah. And these guys... Just stop in the house and say, uh, well, the, the guy I hooked a, a walk-in cooler up for the other day, he says, a friend of mine told me that you've done this kind of stuff. I said, uh, yeah. He says, well, I've got the cooler in. I just need it hooked up. So you go over and you hook it up. So do you think it's, and we're running out of time, but do you do you think that it's one of those things where COVID kind of pushed all this into fast forward where people who are wanting to get out of jobs they were in took this time to do it. They, they went out and tried other things. I, one of the things I'm always staggered by is that Dayton, Ohio has become the craft beer capital of the world and has no other industry. And that's frustrating to me because I mean, here we invented the pop top for cans. We invented the electric starter. We invented the airplane. We, I mean, all this stuff for the last 150 years, that was done here, and now the best thing anybody can come up with is naming a craft beer out of after the Wright brothers. I don't understand that. So, what's well, going to happen? I mean, of, where's it going to go next? A lot of the industries that I grew up with are gone. Yes, they are. Um, you just don't have. I was coming along as they were dying away, like the very last elements of GM went away when I was in college, and they're they're gone now. There's no GM in Dayton anymore, and there were what four or five GM plants and Delco and all those big places. Yes. All that's getting, they employed hundreds of thousands of people and that's all gone. And everybody who was part of those families has moved away because the younger people didn't stay here. They wanted to go somewhere where there was other work. That they could make more money at. Yes. Not a minimum wage job, but, and the industry's gone away. Now there's newer industries coming in. Right. 
but you have to have some kind of a technical background to do it. And some of the teachers, and I'm not knocking all teachers, um, can't keep up with the technology. It's almost impossible to keep up with the technology. And uh, I mean, part of what I do is working on that technology, and it's all I can do to stay ahead of it. And it's and I have to look it up because. I, but you have to have the base first. If you have the base as understanding, you can do that. Well, like when you was down at at college, uh, the one teacher you had was trying to tell you what modern uh, industry looked like in a shop. Mm-hmm. A machine and, shop. A machine shop. And he took you in to show you stuff that Abraham Lincoln and, and George Washington ran. And he's... And at home, I already had better equipment than we had at school. <laughs> I, and, and they just... They take the class and then become a teacher right off the bat because they had enough time to pick Probably it up. the best example of that is the power transmission class I had in my engineering classes because they... It was... You got the power power engine the power transmission theory in the classroom, but the way they taught you that was by having you strip and rebuild a small engine, a two cycle engine. No, they were four. They were four cycle. Four cycle. But a little lawnmower engine. It wasn't the two cycle one. So it was a little lawnmower engine. But you had to take it apart, put it back together, and start it. That was the lab. How many times have we done that? I mean, I did it with my eyes shut. There was another farm kid there too. And we're done, and we're looking at each other like, um, what do we do now? This is supposed to take like three three sessions. <laughs> we were done with it. So the teacher comes around. Oh, you guys really seem to know. And he sent us to the different tables to try to help these other kids. So we ended up teaching them how to do it. No, I didn't have all the book stuff that he was pulling it from, but I didn't need it. We got that in the classroom. He was fine at that because you're just reading, reciting, and chucking it back out on test. But the background of it... They're still doing that, and I feel like that's where we're really missing. And we're we're seeing we're seeing the the the, the vocational schools that taught people to do the things that kept everything running, that keeps the world moving. Because nobody wants to do the grunt work anymore. They want to they want to sit behind a computer and they want to do all that. I am so glad that I can do that. That I don't have to have somebody come and do everything for me because I don't know how some people survive. It's, they don't. They don't. It's so costly. They don't have stuff because of that, and they can't handle it. So, so where do you see when we're wrapping it up here? Um, where do you see this? When when you're done, Gary Deere and Sons is done, right? I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty much. Unless I decide to start hauling sawdust again, which it's there if I need it. I know how, and the truck's sitting over there. So as long as I hold on to that, I guess we've got an opportunity to do it. But some models are just like that. But what would you say to people who have a kind of legacy uh, business like that who aren't sure where they're going to go with it? Maybe their kid doesn't want to do it, and they're the last... And that's what happens to most of them. Be okay with that, I think, right? I mean, just, okay, he doesn't want to do it. Uh, You guys were adamant that I wasn't going to do it. Pretty much. You were really... I mean, all of you, Mom and Dad, I don't know how much... Kathy was involved in it, but the three of you were certain, first of all, that you didn't know if my health was going to let me, which that wasn't turned out not to be a problem, but the rest of it was, he's going to school, he's going to do this, he's going to do this, which I didn't, I did about half of it. <laughs> but because of that, I made my own way, but I did it the same way you guys did. So 
do you think that people who are in that position should should they be pushing their kids to take over the business or just say, hey, if that's not what they want to do? Because you sort of didn't have an option. I mean, you could have stepped away, but that would have really ticked Dad off. Mom wouldn't have cared, but I think Dad would have really lost it. I wouldn't have got much sleep. Dad would stand out. He and would be on the just pounding at you and yelling and screaming and like, and, well, until especially until something broke, because Dad didn't fix things. He bought a new one, <laughs> a new old one. Well, it, so do I, you think those people should just let it go and be done with it or sell it? If there's value to it and you got assets, then if, sell it, right? If you're going to pass or you want to pass a business on to your family, uh, you should teach them all about the business, not just part of it. Uh, Dad never taught me the financing, anything like that. That's because um, Mom did it. Well, that's, <laughs> and so there's a lot of that stuff still to this day that I I can't do. Are you surprised by some of the paperwork we find going through Dad's stuff? Um, yes, no. There's There's been some papers that I've found that... that how did he do this? You know, like <laughs> when and you're looking at it going, how did he even handle this? Paperwork. It was. It was paperwork. And mom saw to it. He had what he needed, told him where to sign, and that was the end of it. But uh, they they should let him know all that's going on with it and what it costs to do the stuff. Um, Dad never let me sit in on any meetings that he had with people when he was doing stuff. Which is weird because you would have to do those same deals yeah, later yeah. on. So I have, I am the person in the background. I make everything run. and But I didn't deal with the public per se. Yeah. and that's, Which is ironic because you're a lot better at it than he was. Well, it, it's just a case that I didn't know. I, I, but you and I have spent 25 years on stage with each other too, which makes it very different than a lot of people. That's a whole different that you'll have to look that up. I'll put it in the, on the website, but th- that whole dynamic of being able to deal with people like that and change things, uh, in, in a session where you think the person's not going to buy something from you and you need them to, or you're, t- or in your case, if you're trying to convince them to make a repair that you know is going to fail later and you're trying to get them to do it now while you're trying to do something else, cause it's easier to fix them both at the same time than wait until it breaks that, that's one of those things that you're very good at because people trust what you say. They're, you're not trying to sell them stuff. No, you, it, it's. I'll mm-hmm. tell you what's wrong with it. If you decide to fix it that way, fine. If you don't, that's that's your option. I learned the computer repair stuff from you, believe it or not. Not the the doing of the computer, but how to handle it. Like when somebody, when they when I tell them I need they need a new keyboard here, it's because the keyboard's broken, not because I'm selling keyboards out of the back of my truck you know, which most of these tech guys are, they're selling something. So you have the same thing. You've got guys on the heating and air going in and trying to get you to buy a new furnace because they get commissions. No matter what the problem is. No matter what the problem is. Or when you get a furnace tagged with a cracked heat exchanger that is electric and doesn't have a heat exchanger, or it's a boiler and it doesn't even use, (laughs) doesn't even use that. You see that stuff all the time. So So if they're learning all these pieces, teach them the whole thing, let them, let them handle it the way they want to do it, and back off, right? And then let them decide whether or not they want to do it. I think that's the biggest one early on. I, I feel like some days I really want to be out there with you, and then winter comes. Because <laughs> in the summer well, it's great, you know. You don't it, like driving those trucks with no heaters, and for the moment, my truck has a really good heater. Mine don't. Because it's not plugged up with sawdust. <laughs> 
Do you remember when I used to put a tarp over the cab to keep the vents from getting full of... My, my truck I did. I put the orange truck. I put the, 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 the tarp over all the vents so the sawdust wouldn't get in there because dad wouldn't give me time enough to clean them out. And he wouldn't clean them out. They would no, just get full of stuff, and then you wonder why he's freezing to death, and then mom would make him finally clean it out, because he'd take her, and her feet would be frozen to the metal floor after that. It was really bad. All right, well, we're coming to the end of this. Clearly, this has been part two of, a, of an episode here. So um, we thank you for your attention, and we hope you had a good time. What did you think? Is this, was this good? It was all right. It's all right. He has to talk about himself for an hour and a half. That makes... I, no, I... <laughs> well, uh, I, so thank you for doing this. You, you have a busy week, and I appreciate you stopping in here, and, and you got to come and inspect my boiler repair so you can see what I did. But um, he did that by remote yesterday when I couldn't get the pipe to come loose to put a valve on. But, but because you taught me all that stuff, and we built that thing ourselves, I know how it all goes together. So that makes a big difference. So we'll see you next time on 321 Profits. I'm Jerry Deere, your host and our engineer. And what are you doing? I, I'm not there yet. You always forget it. Our, <laughs> our, our engineer and producer today is Julie Barth. And our guest has been Gary Deere Jr. from Gary Deere and Sons, my big brother. And we want you to get out there and do your business well. And we'll see you next time on 321 Profits. You've been listening to 321 Profits, a media production of GLD Enterprises Communications Limited. Our show is produced and engineered by Julie Barth and directed by Jerry Deer. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of GLD Enterprises Communications Limited, its staff or management, or of our advertisers. This program is copyright 2021. GLD Enterprises Communications Limited, all rights reserved. For more information or to learn about sponsorship opportunities, visit gldcommunications.com. Don't miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe to 321 Profits today.